Uh, I know that some in our audience know the finer points of hockey. The Chris Johnston Show. We are your friends. The biggest stories, bringing you inside the game. What did you hear? The Chris Johnston Show. Powered by Sports Interaction, Canada's Sportsbook. What is going on? Here's Chris with your host, Julian McKenzie. Part of the game. Chris Johnston, back at it with another edition of the CJ Show. How are you feeling after the series that was between the Lightning and the Maple Leafs has come to an end? I want you to hold your fire and all the takes we have from that series. We have a whole segment dedicated to that and some of the other series. But I always have to check on the mentals. Always got to check on on your well-being. How are you feeling, my bro? Oh, mentally, I'm great. No no issues there. A uh, little sleep deprived, uh, which anyone who came through that uh, would would be. But, you know, it was, it was a really fun series. The Leafs had one more goal than the Lightning, but one less uh, win in a game. And it was really close, really fun. Um, you know, curious to see how the Lightning, how much more they have in the tank after being pushed that way by Toronto, after what they've been through for two years and what, you know, apparently doesn't look like a good injury for Braden Point. But um, credit to them for getting the job done in game seven. And now we start deconstructing the deconstruction, the deconstruction of the Maple Leafs core. Okay, and we are, again, we are going to get into the deconstruction of the deconstruction of the deconstruction. And, of course, some of the other OTs and and Game 7s that happened, which I kind of want to start off there before we get to the Leafs. Because that Leafs game was in the midst of five amazing Game 7s throughout the weekend. I've never seen anything like it across a weekend with the drama being as close as it was, the two OTs on the Sunday – we may have just gone through the best possible weekend in a playoff round in the NHL playoffs, at least that I've ever seen, maybe ever, like five game sevens across a weekend. Yeah, four of them were one goal games, right? Obviously, the two overtimes and then the Edmonton game was two nothing on, on Saturday night. Um, you know, it does highlight how hard it's going to be to win a Stanley Cup. You know, we, we talked about this with our, our predictions and I didn't tally up how well we did, but I don't think we did that great on our predictions. But oh, I did fine. I did fine. I was seven and one. I don't know how you did. Actually, you know what? I wrote them down. I can tell how you did. All right, but you know, I'm just saying that it's it's hard to slice these series in a lot of ways. You know, I saw Brad Marchand had a quote uh, after Boston lost Game Seven, and it was to the effect of. We really felt like if we could beat Carolina, like they were such a big team for us that we would have, you know, went on a long run. You know, I think the feeling was similar for the Leafs. They felt like if they could get by the Lightning, they would have went on a long run. I mean, this is a year in the East. Everyone feels like they should win. And why not? Eight teams had 100 point plus. You know, eight teams had great seasons, objectively great seasons. And you see that many series go right to game seven You're little and are decided by one goal. I mean, you're literally talking about the, the finest of margins between winning and losing. And I think that's going to continue now. The, the problem is as the playoffs go on, things like injuries and that do change the way the games go. I mean, if Tampa doesn't have Braden Point, it's a much different uh, series with Panthers if, if than if they do, because I just think he's that much of a great playoff performer. But yeah, it was it was awesome enjoyment, excitement, good for the league. And I have no idea who's going to win the cup, but I do know the CJ show still has a Florida Panthers win the cup in play betting slip. Yes, that is true. We we have to keep that in mind. Uh, of all the game sevens outside of the Leafs and Lightning one, was there one that you had to watch? And if the answer is I had to 
recover and sleep throughout the weekend? That is a totally acceptable answer considering the work you went through. Well, I didn't get to watch all of Edmonton, LA because I was still working, you know, the, the way the timing worked. Uh, but I did see the last, you know, half of the game. That was one I was really curious about. I feel like the Oilers had to win their series more than almost any other team. Um, I can hear producer Nick yelling through the screen, even though he's muted, that the Leafs had to win their series more than any other team. But I, I do think with playing the Kings uh, and everything that's gone on in Edmonton, that, that that was a crucial game for them. So that one was I was very curious about. And then obviously when Edmonton did win, then the focus goes, can there actually be a belt of Alberta? And, and so then I, I was curious if the Flames could get through because the Flames had – it actually reminds me a bit of Leafs-Habs last year. I mean, the Flames had such a great regular season. Uh, there was a huge difference in the years that, that Calgary and Dallas had, and yet Jake Ottinger and, and you know, the way the Stars play, I mean, they, they pushed them right to the limit, and, you know, Johnny Goodrow gets the job done. So those, those are the other ones I was curious about. But let's face it, you could play Game 7 any two teams. I think it's compelling. Um, you know, how about the Rangers coming back and winning that series with Pittsburgh? Uh, Incredible. Didn't look like that was going to happen, uh, you know, six days ago. Um, you know, even Carolina, Boston, I, I picked Boston in that series, but ended up being a full homer series with all the home teams winning. You know, was was watching that one at the, at the rink before game seven in Toronto. So, you know, you, you try to catch as much of a game seven as you can. And, you know, this round, I'm not out on the road, which which is actually might sound like a bad thing. I, I think it's going to be a good thing because I'll be in a much better vantage point to, to really watch what's going on and start to get a better feel for which team's going to come out and get their hands on Stanley. Just uh, for consistency's sake, with regards to our predictions, uh, you are, you are even because you picked Leafs, Florida, Pittsburgh, Boston, Minnesota, Edmonton, Colorado, and Calgary. Four of those were correct. Four of those were incorrect. We're not going to get too much into if we got the games correct and all that, but you at least have a 500 record after the first round. Yeah. I, I don't think I did well in the games though. Like I picked the flames, but I picked them in five, for example. I picked the flames like in four, in four. So yeah, we both, we both kind of, we didn't do as well as we would have liked with the Calgary flame series. Right. But I don't, Again, I don't. I wouldn't wear it with any pride, and this isn't a chip at you, Julian. If if I went eight and zero, I'd still be like, I'm still blindly guessing in a lot of cases. Like I, there wasn't too many of those series I felt really compelled against. Like when I picked the Leafs in seven, you know, really what I'm saying is I think this is so close, and the Leafs play the last game on home ice, and I assume they're going to win it, or I think they can win it, and they could have won it, but they didn't. So I mean, that's how that's how history goes. But I'm just saying, like I I wouldn't feel like I'm the smartest guy in the world had I got that right or in this case, I got it wrong, but it wasn't as though I was such a miss that I have to hand in my press badge and never go back. I The only series I got wrong was the Minnesota-St. Louis series, which I still kind of take an L because I believed very much in the Minnesota Wild. So I can't really feel all that high and mighty anyway. And I don't want to feel high and mighty. It's the, it's the playoffs. Like I, I wish some of the other series might have gone another way. We would have had more chaos, but that's okay. Who cares? <laughs> Who cares? Like, you know, plus I didn't even put money on these picks anyway. If I had put money on these picks, then like, then I'd be feeling really happy. But I'm just like, okay, all right, I did it. I got seven right and one wrong. But uh, that's the beauty of the playoffs. Uh, the series go one way. Some of them go another way. I'll say this much, though. Uh, the Rangers-Pittsburgh series, we mentioned how that series went. I believe the NHL PR account put out a tweet saying, 
the Rangers had like consecutive comeback wins in each of those wins they got in order to get to game seven and eventually leading to a win of all the teams. Yeah. And then game seven, they're down in the third period. That's it. Like, I, I can't believe the Rangers came back and won that series the way that they did. I can't believe that happened. I really thought the Penguins were going to win. Because the one takeaway I have across a lot of game sevens that I've watched, it's really hard to come back in those games. Like, I'd actually like to see the numbers on teams scoring first winning game seven versus other games. I mean, I know that it's always advantageous to score first because scoring is what wins you the game. And the quicker you can start doing that, the better. But I just, I feel like, those games are tend to be played in such a tight manner that the team that gets ahead just doesn't often surrender that lead and lose. And so um, it's, it's, it's hard to do it. I mean, at least they, they did have it on home ice. Um, you know, they're playing Tristan Jari, you know, who, had, who hadn't played in a while. Uh, so maybe that, that helped, but look, still, it's still an overtime game could have gone either way and, and credit to the Rangers for sticking with it. And, Moving on. I, I didn't see that at the start of the year. I'll tell you that much. I mean, I, I didn't know. And there's been, there's been a few people in my DM saying we don't talk enough to Rangers because it, it's true throughout this year. We didn't, I, I didn't see them being this good this soon and, you know, attributed a lot to the goaltender and obviously he deserves a lot, but um, you know, they, that that's, that's a good Pittsburgh team. They beat Pittsburgh played well down the stretch, got it, got up in the series and just couldn't close it out. Yeah. That's a really good Rangers team on that side with, Panarin obviously getting the OT winner, but but Adam Fox and Norris candidate pretty much every year for the next decade, as far as I'm concerned, and Zibanejad and all those guys, they have really good pieces on that team. They're ahead of schedule, as far as I'm concerned, for where a lot of people might have put them as a team in development. Remember, they had that rebuild start from a couple years ago, and now well, they're already in the second manager a year ago. I mean, usually when that happens, and, and, and it's not to say, obviously, Jeff Gordon, a lot of the players playing on the ice – are responsible, you know, with the responsibility of Jeff Gordon and his management staff for getting them because they've been there for more than a year. But, you know, usually when you see a team change its GM, you're not expecting that quick of a rise because, you know, it just, it takes time to, to drag a team up. So um, really interesting the way that's played out there. And now we see if they can handle Carolina. I mean, the way Boston was talking about Carolina is we should be talking about them going to the cup final from the East. So let's, uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to see that one. Absolutely. Also, any love for Jake Ottinger and the way that he played in that Cal- in that uh, Dallas Calgary game seven? One of the most scintillating goaltending performances ever done in the Stanley Cup playoffs. He was incredible in that game seven. Yeah, we'll give him a Monday stick tap, a rare Monday stick tap because yeah, uh, you know I'm sure it, it feels awful to lose, but I mean he did everything he could to to try to drag the Stars into round two and. I uh, played great young player, you know, he's been around their team a little bit, but, but hasn't, you know, had a ton of NHL experience and made a pretty big statement. I would say here in the last two weeks, you touched off on it uh, with regards to you not traveling on the road for the, for second round. Uh, so can you go into more detail on how you're going to go about covering some of the rest of these series or what you might be doing or anything like that? Well, I don't have a full picture of it just yet, but you know, we're recording this on Monday, Tuesday, the, the Maple Leafs do their end of season media availability. So I'll be, I'll be there doing that, um, covering that. And, and truthfully, that'll probably produce a few days worth of content. Uh, for those that maybe aren't familiar, once a team loses 
in the playoffs, they, they, they gather and they're available to the media. You know, often it's, it's in the case of the Leafs will be president Brendan Shanahan and Kyle Dubas and Sheldon Keefe will speak and anywhere from six to eight to 10 to 12 players. I don't, you know, I don't know. They haven't given us an exact breadth of what to expect, but, but it's, it's a lot of different interviews and there's a lot of different talking points. And so I would imagine I'll spend a few, maybe the rest of the week, honestly, just trying to work through what's said there, you know, look at, look ahead to, you know, with how the Maple Leafs, I mean, it's probably one of the most, it's not just because it's the Leafs and it's Toronto, given six straight years that they've had pretty damn good regular season teams and haven't gotten over the hump. And some of the contractual things that are coming, Julian, which we can get into if you, I don't know how deep you want to go on this, but you know, well, there's a lot that there's a lot to consider with where this team goes next. And so I, I think most of this week from a professional standpoint will be me writing about that for North star bet and, and Toronto star. And then you know, I'll be watching all the other games and I guess I'll just have to see where it goes from there. You know, I would think I'll be back on the road for the Stanley cup final, but you know, this will be hard for me to say in, in public, but for all the years I've been out and did all four rounds and it was a lot of years and it's a lot of time away from home. I'm, I'm not that upset about just taking a step back, uh, eat, eating some good food, not, not being on the road so much <laughs> and, and, you know, and, but still following the league, covering the league, working the phones and all that, because, you know, you look at the my watch, it's, it's already May 16th. Like the, there's the games to cover and, and, and the playoffs to talk about, but we're not that far away from the news season, I would call it. You know, the, the lead up to the draft, the trades that happen. Obviously, there's still a number of coaching positions that haven't been filled. Um, you know, there's, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of things to, to get my head around that, you know, basically all I did is cover a playoff series wire to wire. That, so I got to get cut up on that. So that's a long-winded answer to your short question, but um, it's not as though I'm going to the cottage and putting the gone fishing sign up, but but it's going to be a little different the next month than it was the last two weeks. I got to say, I, I, I bet you can't wait to go up to the cottage and put up the gone fishing sign. <laughs> uh, that being said, uh, you mentioned there are a lot of content from that Leaf series. It's almost like you might have to do two podcasts to kind of go into it, but uh we could only we only have the one on the Thursday, but uh, are you going to go on another podcast this week and uh, talk about the Leafs? Or yeah, it's kind of it's kind of a tradition that started by accident. Um, Adam and Steve and Jesse would probably know the year. It was one of the Boston losses, so either twenty eighteen or twenty nineteen. And actually, it was that very day that the, the Leafs did their end of season availability, and that's a long day, man. Like it's it it can be like five hours of interviews, you know. And it's right after the playoff series, you know, like it's, it's just, everyone's been through the meat grinder bit. And then I, you know, at that time I was working at sports and I'm sure I had to do some TV and stuff. And then I remember like racing over to the studio and joining those guys. And we just went in on like every piece of minutia on what the Leafs might do. And I think I honestly, at the time, I probably said a little too much. Like I just didn't have the filter up. Um, and the episode went, went kind of bananas and, you know, whatever. I mean, look at, I think I said things like they're going to trade Nazem Kadri this off season and they did. So like, it wasn't as though, but you know, I, I, I did, I didn't, I, I was not totally responsible in how I presented the information. It wasn't on purpose. It was just, I was so tired. And so now it's become a tradition that I go there after the, the garbage bag day. Um, but you know, I'm not sure there'll be quite as many fireworks this year because I've learned my lesson, but it's going to be fun. And what I love about those guys is literally that we're not just talking about the high level stuff where they want, they're going to want to know about Ilya Mikheyev or, 
you know, Ilya Labushkin, you know, name, name a player that, you know, some of the depth players the Leafs have with, with their contracts expiring. They're going to want to get into it all. And so we're going to break it down on Wednesday. All right. That you heard it here first, everybody. Wednesday's episode. CJ returns to the SDP. Is that going to be your first time back on the SDP since the announcement? Yes. That was in okay. September. Um, I went down, I went over to Adam's basement. Can't remember what day in September. And we announced the show for the first time. You and I were back in his basement, what, October, November? Well, I'm, I'm returning like to that, the yeah. studio. I'm expecting to get a nice bubbly served up. And <laughs> I'm ready to rock on, on whatever they want to talk about with the Leafs. But now that you're you're going to be grounded in Toronto for the next little while, I, I might have to make an appearance in Toronto myself and go back to Adam's basement. That was a really fun time. It was great. It was really good. And I'm excited to see the guys. I haven't seen them too much either, obviously. So, All right. It is time for David Bastel from Sports Interaction. As always, this is a 19-plus uh, app, Sports Interaction. We ask that you play responsibly and that there is a link uh, to Responsible Gaming Strategies. There is a link to Responsible Gaming Strategies in the description of this show. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Okay, Siege, it's time to talk about that Leafs series. It's time to talk about how that went down. Why did the Leafs lose this series? They, they did just about everything they could to win that series. They played well. They won games convincingly. They came back and won a game, and they still lost. Why are the Leafs in this position? Well, Tampa won the series. I don't see it as much as the Leafs losing the series. And I understand, look, at the emotional reaction a fan will have to that series, I totally get. I'm not telling any fan how to think about his team or her team. But I do think what, if, if you're looking a little bit more strategically, if you're in a position of management, you know, I think you look at that series and to me, it wipes the stench away from what happened against Montreal and Columbus. You know, they, they played a much better opponent and they played much, much better. Every single one of their stars showed up to a varying degree. You know, even Jack Campbell held his own with Andre Vasilevsky. That was the least best defensive core of the teams they've had these last five or six years. And I think there's a lot of validation in that series, even though no one wants to hear that. I get it. It's win or lose in the playoffs, blah, 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 blah. Well, that wasn't just any team the Leafs played in the playoffs. And frankly, they were one bounce, one change call, one more power play converted. I mean, that's that might sting them a little bit. I mean, they only had one power play chance in game six and two in game seven. But if they get one more power play goal at either of those games, they probably play on. If they score an opportunity in game six and overtime, they play on. Uh, they were that close. And so I think that this actually sort of puts some more belief in the process, maybe call it. Um, now, for a bunch of reasons, they can't just run the core back forever and ever and ever. But I do think that series gives you a reason to do it for one more year. And then you've got some big decisions that are not too far on the horizon. But it's so much easier to stomach a loss like that if you don't have if it's not, you know, in front of four or five other opening round series losses in the playoffs. Let's be real. Sure. Well, if the Leafs close out Montreal ahead three to one last May, and even if they fell the next round of Winnipeg, which probably wouldn't happen, but you know, let's just play this hypothetical game. I think that you view 
this lightning series totally differently because that, that series just becomes all about like the Leafs finally have to win a playoff series. Um, you know, again, I, from the fan standpoint, feel what you're going to feel, let it all out rage on Twitter. I get it. But I, I actually think from a pure, like, what do they do next? I think those guys showed enough to, to make you believe in, in giving it back another season. I mean, it's not going to be the same team. It, you know, Jack Campbell's a UFA. Peter Mrazek's contract is a, a weight around their necks. You know, something's going to be done on goaltending one way or another. That's going to look different. You know, they have depth flares um, that are, you know, probably not going to be able to re- be resigned. Ilya Mikheyev is an obvious one. Just I think he's probably priced himself out of the city. It's not it's not a they don't want him or he doesn't want to be there situation. You know, I, I wonder about what they do with the blue line. You have Rasmus Sandin and Timothy Lilligren. I think you have to clear space. To, to be sure that they're in your top six next year. It's time for that. They both need new contracts too themselves. And so, look, there's going to be some reshuffling of the pieces. Um, but I don't know, unless you can make a really good hockey trade involving, say, someone like William Nylander, I, I don't think it's a case that you have to get rid of someone like him just to make that big change. I don't think you have to, you know, fire a head coach who just coached the team to 54 wins at 115 points and had his team one shot away in game six and game seven from, from moving on. Um, I, I understand the change for change sake folks, like they're, they're frustrated. They want an answer, right? Everybody wants an answer. They want a solution. I think sometimes a solution is, is really doubling down on what you have and they're going to have to make some, some at minimum changes around the fringes. The goaltending is a huge question point. And then really, and, and there's not a lot of talk yet about this in Toronto, but I think this is all about, how can we make sure Austin Matthews wants to sign a contract extension here at the earliest opportunity? And I, I think that has to begin basically right now. I mean, he can't sign that deal, Julian, until July 1st, 2023. That's in the rules. So there's 13 months before that can even happen. But I think everything that happens from, you know, decision-wise around that organization has to be done with in mind. You know, how do we make it so that when that day comes in 13 months, you're having a big press conference and signing him to a major deal that, you know, if he signs an extension, he's going to finish as the leader in basically every important franchise record book. I mean, it's, it's only a question of, does he play here long enough? It's not a question of his talent or his ability. And so, um, you know, this is going to be a fascinating off season and then, you know, subsequently a year until that point. By the way, you did uh, write about the, uh, the Austin Matthews situation you are bringing up here. Every off season move the Leafs make, will be about Austin Matthews. The stakes are high. That is in the Toronto Star. What do the Leafs have to do, essentially, I guess, to appease Austin Matthews and ensure that, you know, they don't find themselves in a position where come July 1st, 2023, he doesn't sign? Well, this guy wants to win. You know, he's at the point, he's got a second Rocket Richard trophy now. He, You know, in a month's time, he might have a Hart trophy. He might have a Ted Lindsay award in his cabinet. Even if he doesn't win those, I mean, he's got the Calder trophy from his rookie season. He's, he's done enough individual award winning. He wants to win-win. He wants to be playing the games in late May and June and, and have a chance to win the Stanley Cup. And so I think first and foremost, you know, when, when he signs that next contract, wherever it is, he's going to be signing in a place he believes he's got a great chance to win. And so, you know, I think when how you extrapolate that from a Leaf standpoint is that's great because his, his goals align exactly with what the Maple Leafs want to do, right? As an organization, whether this, if he was signed for seven more years as of right now, they'd be doing everything they can this summer to try to build a team to win. Like they, they, they are clearly in an all in mode. There's no thinking about a rebuild. There's no future considerations here. Like the future is next season. How do, how do you make every move possible to try to 
win a championship. And so, you know, his, his goals are aligned with the organization that way. You know, I know there's all this speculation, like, oh, he wants to go home and play in Arizona and all that stuff. You know, I think you can completely toss that out the window myself. You know, the Coyotes arena situation is still unresolved. They're, they're going to play on a college campus for, for next three or four years, maybe longer. I just, I don't see that being a fit for someone like Austin Matthews. So this, this won't be a Tavares or Stamkos like courting where you're trying to pull out the heartstrings and, and play in a home place. And so, you know, where does he want to play? He wants to play somewhere that he can show his best, where he can be his best, where he can win a cup, where he can live a good life. And I think Toronto does tick all those boxes. The question is, you know, how is he going to be feeling a year from now about the direction of the organization? You know, they might have to take a step back. I mean, this is a flat cap world, right? This is the challenge. This is It's a huge challenge. You know, John Tavares is going to make $11 million again next year. Well, he's going to be another year older. And it's not to, it's not to say there'll be a decline. I mean, Steven Stamkos just came off his best year in the NHL, and, he, and he's a year older than John Tavares. I mean, the point is, is it's possible. It's just when you look at what happens in sports in general, it's very difficult for athletes to, to, to find another gear or to even maintain a certain level once they get into their 30s. And so the Leafs are, are once again going to be operating in a tight cap situation, and they have to give him the feeling – I, I believe that they can win a cup and who knows, maybe that next year at this time, maybe they're, they're in a Stanley cup final and, and all of this is rather moot. And, and it's just a foregone conclusion. I mean, that's, that's what makes it intriguing at this point in time. No one can say with any certainty if Austin Matthews will resign with the Leafs that, that includes him. That includes team management. You know, I, I don't think it's a case at all. I should be very clear on this, that, that he's looking to leave or anything like that, but you know, he, what happens here matters. And, and, if, if the, the organization or the team goes in the wrong direction next year, I mean, that that's going to have some implications. And, and I don't think anyone really wants to consider them right now. But, you know, it felt like a time the Leafs window stretched out forever, right? They had these young players yeah. with all this skill. And we've reached a moment where it no longer stretches out forever. And it's about getting the job done. I have a hard time wrapping my brain around Austin Matthews playing in a much different uniform. And if the Leafs find a way to mess that up, that would be the biggest failure in franchise history as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Especially if they don't win a playoff series, even, I mean, God, they, they, they more or less punted a season to have the best draft lottery odds. They won that lottery. They won the player. He scored four goals in his first NHL game. He scored more goals per game from the moment he entered the NHL than any other player in the league. He plays center. Keep in mind, not a lot of centers are goal scorers. You know, a lot of the best goal scorers tend to be wingers that get the puck distributed to them. I mean, mm-hmm. he truly does things that other players don't do, um, which, again, is a different conversation. It is the, the best in the league. I mean, what we just saw from Connor McDavid in round one, uh, he's just he's without question one of the best in the league and there's no one else to replace him. Like there's not even a conversation to be had there. And so, yeah, he, he gave the organization a reason for hope. And that hope is slowly, you know, time is sucking that hope out of the, the, the jar a little bit. And, you know, you even heard this in Sheldon Keith's remarks right after the game seven loss. Like he was like, yeah, we earned respect, but this is a winning business. We've got to find a way to do that. Like, I, I don't think I'm saying anything here. The organization doesn't deeply, deeply understand. I mean, the stakes on the next season in Toronto are so high. I mean, so much higher than even this last year. I know we framed it a certain way, you know, that this, the, the, the core is on trial. Now it's not even about, now I'm like all four. Of course, if you think you can trade one of those other players, like you have to look at it. But to me, it's not about removing them. It's only about making a hockey trade. If you think there's something that can alter the dynamic, I don't think you're doing it because 
those guys can't get it done. You would only be looking at it if you think you can get better in a certain way. Maybe you can trade for a pretty darn good player, but who makes a million or two less and you can do something with that 2 million to add to the team. I mean, that's, that's the only reason you're looking at it now in, in my view, but everything has to be on the table because, you know, you, you just can't be in a position where Austin Matthews doesn't want to sign that deal July 1st, 2023. The other part of this, Julian, um, not to go too deep CBA on you is his no movement clause kicks in on July 1st, 2023. So he can't sign a contract before that date. And as of that date, he's got a full no movement clause. So he, he, by the rights in his contract, doesn't really have to do anything. He could just sit and wait and play out two years, not be worried about being moved and then go straight to free agency. Um, and again, I, I don't think that's probably how it's going to play out because can you imagine a season in Toronto where he's on an expiring contract, like how that would play out from a media standpoint, um, you know, the, the, the talk around him, like it, okay. It happened with Steven Stamkos in Tampa with respect to the Tampa media, my friends down there, it's just, it's not the same firestorm, right? John Tavares played out the final year of his, his deal in Long Island. Wasn't quite the same firestorm. I, I think it would be such a distraction. It wouldn't be good for either the player or the team. And so really it's, it's 13 to 14 months from now when then this is going to be decided one way or another, and they have to figure out what's happening. And so it sets up as a rather thir- big 13 to 14 months for the organization and for Austin. I'm just picturing like those say there's just discord, Shout out Discord, by the way. There's like problems between the team and Austin Matthews. And like every week people are asking, what's going to happen? Is he going to stay? Is he going to resign? Like every episode, like we'd have to do like an Austin Matthews vibe check every episode we do of the CJ show. If that, it's a big case. We'd be adding a game over Austin Matthews. Uh, <laughs> it's like after every Leafs game, they just talk for an hour about what it may mean or not mean for his future with the organization. And people would watch that. People would generally watch a game over Austin Matthews if it got to that point. People have been watching Steve Dangle scream into a webcam for 15 years. Of course people would watch that. Oh, my God. I, I, I'll say this, though. While I still have a hard time picturing him leaving Toronto, like if I'm the Rangers, depending on where I'm at in, in my progression as a team, I'm looking at it, Chicago, Los Angeles, uh, some of the bigger media markets in the States. Like you, I mean... I get why you don't want it to be a distraction if you're Austin Matthews, but knowing the, the talent that you have and the box office potential that you have, you, I feel like you kind of have to listen to some of these offers. Maybe. I, I, I don't think he wants to leave though. Like that, this isn't, I, I don't want to put out the wrong tone here. It's more that this is just urgent because the big moment is arriving. Like, I don't get the sense at all this is a guy looking to leave. I think he loves Toronto. I think he understands that he's on probably the biggest stage in the sport um, in terms of media coverage and, you know, like the, the fan support the team gets and, you know, a media market. He can go live still, you know, wherever he wants in the offseason, even after a successful season for a few months. Like that, you know, I don't think that there's a guy looking to get out, but he, you know, he wants to have the greatest career possible. I mean, we're watching – someone who's going to go in the hockey hall of fame one day. Uh, and there's only so many players under the age of 25. You can say that with certainty. Uh, I, I, I'm actually at the point with him. You, I think you can say it with certainty. And so it, this is just about having a hall of fame career. Like what did, what do these guys want to do? Right? Like Tom Brady collected rings. Like I don't think Tom Brady's going to be remembered for his MVP awards. Like, yeah, he won a few, but like Tom Brady's remembered because he's got, he needs like two hands to put all those rings on. He's like Thanos. So, what's that? 
He's like Thanos. Exactly. Yeah. And so Austin, you know, let's put in hockey. I don't know if anyone is going to need two hands. I mean, not since the, the Canadians players in the seventies or whatever to, for all the rings, but like, it's about chasing championships at this point. I think he's done all he needs to do from an individual level. I don't even think it's important that he chases 60 goals again next year. Honestly, like the fact he's done it once, if he has to sacrifice a few goals to help team goals, if he, you know, whatever it is, I, I think really it's this, he's getting to the stage of his career. It's all about the cup. And so Toronto has to keep giving him a, a feeling that if he signs, you know, whatever, whatever it ends up being two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight years um, extension that, that he's going to have a chance to win a cup each of those seasons. You mentioned Sheldon Keefe earlier. I want to get into some of the posts game seven reactions, some of the commentary, some of the uh, quotes that came out from it. What were some of the biggest takeaways from that post-game media availability that stood out to you? I think just how emotional everyone was. You know, that's not so much Sheldon Keefe. He was, you know, he's a pretty, he doesn't show his, the emotions too much, but the players were just destroyed. I mean, probably for the reasons that I'm saying we should look at, you know, we should give them credit for how well they played. They know how well they played, right? Like they know that they left it out there and it, and it wasn't enough. And so that that's gotta be a difficult feeling. I do think it will be a source of source of motivation though. Once the immediate emotions wear off and they get into their off seasons and they start thinking about where they can go. Like, I think, I think it's going to put them on more of a mission. I think that they remove some doubts. I think that honestly, and, and people might take issue with this. I think they even slayed some of their own mental demons in that series, frankly, because they showed up and they were right there. And again, no, I like I, I respect my colleague Pierre LeBron, but he's like, no consolation prizes in the playoffs, no asterisks, this and that. I actually think that's a little bit bogus. I, I think in your life, even when you don't maybe achieve what you want, but you know you you're right there. Like I think that is different. Like I, I don't, there's no way this team is walking away, those individual players going, like, can we do this anymore? Like I don't even think there's like that can we? I, I think. I think that they have a new level of belief, frankly. And so that's what stood out to me in the immediate aftermath of the loss is just how destroyed they were. Uh, but I think it's going to, I think it's going to be real fuel now um, because, you know, with respect to the Canadians of last year, like they got the job done and then that, but like that, the Leafs should have won that series. Like I've had some private conversations with Leafs players that acknowledge they like choked that away. Like one of them said the team they were this year, they weren't all that different last year and we lost to them. Um, and, you know, this year they, they finished, you know, and, and won the, the first overall draft pick. Um, and so that's a different series loss than this against the two-time defending champs who, who knows, might be three-time defending champs. I mean, John Cooper gave a speech. We want to talk about speeches. He gave a speech before game seven that had me wanting to run through a wall. <laughs> and, he was asked about, you know, is it okay if you lose game seven tonight just because you've won the last two cups? Like, it's all upside for you, right? He's like, he's like, that's BS. He's like, we're standing here on the cusp of greatness. Why wouldn't we charge through that door? And I was just like, wow, my man, that's, I mean, that's, I think that's what John Cooper's got to be his biggest strength is just the way he pushes buttons is how smart he is, the motivational tools he uses. And I do think it matters. It's not that players need motivation, but I think sometimes in the moment you need to focus on something because there's so much going on. Right. And, and especially in the playoffs, I think it's all about finding the right focus, the right place to harness your energy, the right place to put your intention for success. And I think he's second to none in his profession at finding that. And, and so, yeah, losing to that team is all I'm saying to circle back to the leash. I just don't think there's any shame in it. 
that the shame is that they lost to teams they shouldn't have in the past. And it all gets, it all gets lumped together. Uh, but I, I do think I watched that series and I'm like, you know what? I don't think we have to talk about Montreal and Columbus anymore because we saw something from that team that made you think like, okay, now, now they're playing for real when it matters. I can understand that line of thinking, but this is still a team but, with that core in place that lost to Columbus, that lost to Montreal, that lost to Boston. Well, some of those players lost to Boston. Like they have all those opening round losses. Like this, it, if this we were talking about the Leafs and Lightning series as a conference final series, man, we'd be looking at the Leafs so much differently. And that played out like a series you could easily see in a conference final. Like, I don't know how you look at the Leafs right now, and I understand why people are, are on team run it back and all that, but I don't understand how you how you look at the series that happened with the Leafs and Lightning, and you don't take into consideration everything that happened before and not think, okay, something has to change. It doesn't have to be a massive, drastic change, but could you sell the idea that, like, you can more or less bring back everyone as is, like, Man, I mean, I, I'm glad I'm not in a position to be paid to to deal with that job. But like, if that's a really interesting thing to do if you're Kyle Dubas and Brendan Janet. But what are you talking about? Like, like who are you stripping from them? Like, if anything, they haven't scored enough in the playoffs as a team. So, like, everyone's solution is trade one of the big guys. Well, look at the Leafs' scoring leaders in the series. All the big guys were their scoring leaders. So, if you're trading one of them, how are you replacing that offense? And you know, I'm not going to, I'm not throwing third lighters under the bus here. Like I get it. Like those guys get paid the money. They, they're the ones that have to pull you through a series, but I just don't see how they get better by trading one of those players. Again, unless you're, if you're trading William Nylander for someone who can replace his offense, but maybe just gives you a slightly different element while doing so. Okay. You do that. But like, let's go around the league. Like who is that guy who is stepping up and making that trade? And, and to me, you're, if you're the Leafs, you're not trading William Nylander for a futures package. Like, how does that help anything? Like, yeah, you get his $6 million in cap space, but guess what? William Nylander is better than a $6 million player. He brings positive value objectively. He had an 80-point season. How many guys get 80 points that are making $6 million? There's not very many. There, he might be one. I haven't even looked at that. But the, the point is, is that, okay, not maybe a perfect player. You can show me this clip of him, you know, ducking a hit in a game his team's losing 3-0. But – you need to score goals to win. And so oddly, I think their challenge is finding ways to score more goals. Uh, and so, and, and so how do you do that with no cap space? I mean, it, it's, look, it's a difficult challenge, but I just think you, there's a huge danger if you're just trading one of the, the guys who produces offense on this team and think it's going to get better. Like the Leafs aren't going to grit their way to a cup in two, one games. They need to outscore their opponents and they need to find a way to do that. They need to hope, frankly, too. Look, like any other team, they've got a few prospects. They've got to hope one or two of those guys maybe is ready to come up and play a role. They have to hope that Michael Bunting, who had a you know productive season, you know, he's injured during the playoffs. I think I think that's you know one of those things. Maybe he could have scored one more goal in a different season. I mean, look, when you lose, you can go down all these rabbit holes. But I, I just don't see how the path to winning is paved by giving away one of the players who scores a lot. I, I think that they got to find lots of ways around the margins to, to get a few more goals when it comes to playoff time. But I, I don't want to say they're stuck with it. I just think they're stuck with it if they want to keep competing for the Stanley Cup. I mean, they could trade all those players because they're positive value on their contracts. But you trade them, you're getting worse in the short term, and that's not what they want to do. Nope. It's, it does sound like your team run it back in this case, but you do make good arguments.
Also, yeah. William Nylander. Okay, look, uh, I'm, but I'm team those last two ser- Go ahead. I'm team ahead. run it back, but I'm also saying, like, yes, if you can trade William Nylander for someone who does similar to what he does production-wise, you got to look at it. I just – I don't know that that trade's out there. Um, you know, like, Pat, you know, Pierre-Luc Dubois and Patrick Laine, like, that kind of lined up because it was two teams that – it solved the problem for both teams, so to speak, or, or it – it was a clear solution for both teams. You know, I don't even know who's come out ahead in that one. That one's almost been a wash, but like, that's the kind of, I almost see it. If you're trading Nylander, it's probably a one for one. And you just got to tell me who that one is. And then we can evaluate the scenarios about whether the Leafs should do it or not. I, I, I don't see who it realistically could be, will be, should be. Um, and so, you know, I'm sure Kyle Dubas will have those conversations with other teams. He's going to, gauge to see what it, it what's out there but i just won't surprise me if we get to the draft and there's no trade that's no significant trade that's happened and and the core four are still the core four what about sheldon keith because you can make the argument the easiest change the leafs could do if they wanted to do that would be to let go of sheldon keith and maybe get someone like barry trotz for example who's out there like what about that idea well, who's making that call? You know, I, I'd be surprised. I don't see Kyle Dubas doing that. I mean, Sheldon Keith has been his guy. The team's gotten better, won more games. I, I, you know, I just, I don't see him going down that road. I guess there's a world where ownership or something exerts that kind of pressure. Maybe that happens. I mean, it can't be entirely ruled out. You know, yeah, the Leafs make a lot of money, but they could have made a lot more money if they won a few playoff rounds during this this stretch. So, you know, everybody's got a boss and, and you know, sometimes you got to do things your boss wants you to do. So I suppose it's possible. I, I don't think it's likely. I really don't. Um, if they didn't make that change after last year's playoffs, I don't see how you're making it after this year's playoffs. That's that's kind of my view. Uh, if you believed in him then and you believe in the sort of core players, I, I think that I think you're probably staying put there. But, you know, Sheldon Keefe is under a microscope now, too. I mean, because this, this, the odds, the stakes are so high, as I, I put it, you know, you can't rule out some change coming down the road. but. I don't think it's now. Is there anything else about the Leafs from the last few days that you want to mention that I didn't ask you? No, I think the Campbell story is going to be interesting. You know, I'm not sure he's back. He played really well in that series, though. Like, I know the numbers are going to be the numbers. There's a lot of goals scored in that series. There's a lot of specialty teams in the first five games, uh, which which contributed to that somewhat. But I thought that Campbell really held up his end of the bargain. I thought he put them in a position to win. In fact, you know, I talked to someone on the team that he thought he thought game seven was the best he'd ever seen him play. This is from a, one of his teammates. Um, so, you know, it's it wouldn't be that it's it's placing the series loss on Jack Campbell, but he is a free agent. And, and I think that they got to look at what they can do at that position. They already let Frederick Anderson walk last year. The Morazic thing hasn't worked out. They're going to have to try to address that in some way. So I could see completely new goaltending at the NHL level in place, or I guess maybe the backup is one of, you know, Eric Schalgren or Joseph Wall, a guy who's been in the organization and played some games. Um, so that, that, that's something I'll be watching, but really until Tuesday and we, we see these avails, we see that the tone that especially Brandon Shanahan um, sets, you know, he, in fact, it's not confirmed me speaking at this point. They haven't told us that, but he's spoken in, in past situations like this. I'll be curious to see what he says. And it's going to be a fascinating offseason here. That, that much I'll tell you. But, you know, those are that's kind of the extent of my thoughts still in the aftermath of this thing and with no one having put a bow on on how they view it yet. Uh, 
I know you're going to give a lot of juice to the SDP on uh, Wednesday, but uh, can you save some for the CJ show on Thursday? Yeah, it's kind of a weird spot to be in, isn't it? I mean, do I have to give them my B material? No, I, I'll never think like that. I'll give, you, <laughs> I'll give you the best I got every day, and uh, some days it's going to be better than others. Hey, man, look, I feel you always try to give your 110, so I don't ever have to worry about your effort. You you are someone I could count on in a game seven. Thanks, buddy. I love that. Of course. Um, I still want to touch off on some more stuff from some of the other series that have happened. I know we did kind of go. Yeah, we went long. Let's. I guess we'll have to be snappy here, or else Adam Wilde's going to be uh, firing people. Yeah. Well, I'm. I'm sorry, but like we are. We spent a lot of time talking about his Toronto Maple Leafs. So if he gets mad at us, can you imagine if Adam Wilde's like, "How dare you talk too long about my favorite hockey team, the Toronto Maple Leafs, on this podcast?" I mean, if he has that point, I mean. Uh, Jeez, I, I think he has to get his priorities straight. It's pretty um, nice that we're now 69 episodes into the, the best 30-minute hockey podcast in hockey that always consistently goes 60 or more. Are you, are, are you going to say it or am I going to say it? I already said it if you listen closely. Uh, I see the vision. I see what you got going on. Um, I did, but we did mention, we kind of touched off on the Oilers. Uh, but there was another Hart Trophy candidate who really needed a playoff series win got the job done in a game seven, that goal, uh, which made it two nothing for the Oilers, Connor McDavid basically willed himself to the net and celebrated a la nail Yakupov. That is the, I've never seen that much joy from Connor McDavid in my life. Never. Yeah. This is, this is the yin and the yang. Remember I've been attaching the Leafs and the Oilers is sort of cosmically linked the whole, you know, the last few episodes, this is the yin and the yang. Like the Oilers played not as good a team as the Leafs. They, they were right up against it, but they found a way to get through. And you just see the joy. Like, that's – I get it. Like, that's what the Leafs fans need. That's what these Leafs players need. That's what management and, and ownership and everybody needs. You, you just want to be able to experience that joy. And I thought Connor McDavid, that, that might be one of the best playoff series, like, individual performances I can ever remember. Um, did he have six games, I think, with at least two points in them out of the seven? That's insane. Like <sighs> – Talk about beast mode. Um, like we see it everywhere. Like even like, like star players end up getting their points in the playoffs, but in a lot of individual games, they just get shut down. Like the matchups are so tight. The other team is tight checking. There's, you're not getting power plays typically, or sometimes they're at the normal rate, like all sorts of things are going on in the games that just keep the star guys from being able to break through like that. And the LA Kings just had no answer for them. You know, I'm not sure the Calgary flames will either. I mean, that's why I'm picking an Edmonton upset in round two. Uh, I, I think this guy's giving us some, he's sending out the bat signal here that like, this is the time, like, like everybody pay attention to what's happening in Edmonton because number 97 might just be putting everybody on his back. Um, and so, yeah, that was, that was a special performance, a great scene, seeing the, the way that the fans got to celebrate that game seven victory and McDavid and just what a release. Um, now, I'm not sure. It, it matters. Like, as I said, they had to win that series, but if they go down easily in round two, I don't think the, the narrative changes too much. Um, but I think this is going to be a battle of Alberta to remember and, and probably up here in Canada where we're recording the pod like that. That'll probably be the series that generates the most juice, I would guess, just with it being two Canadian teams. I'm really fascinated to see the Lightning and Panthers go at it again. That was, for my money, probably the best individual series of last season's playoffs. Uh, and so I'd, I'd like to see another version of that. I don't think there's going to be a bad series on a slate here, but you know, Calgary Edmonton is going to be epic and having 
McDavid on this level, like, like, can he keep it up? It's going to be fascinating to watch. Who has more to lose in a battle of Alberta, the Flames or the Oilers? Oh, man. Can they tie for first? I mean, like, Calgary's in a different spot because they've just got all these uncertain contract situations. You know, Johnny Goodrow's a pending free agent. Matthew Kachuk's an RFA, but but only one year until he's UFA. They have to make a big decision there. There's just a lot that they're going to – when this season ends, they're, they're – they're probably facing some changes to the core of their team just, just by where they're at in their cycle. I think at Edmonton, it's a little bit more existential, the questions that they're facing, like, can this ever work a little bit, you know, along the lines of Toronto, you stop me if you've heard this before, but I, I, I they both have so much to lose because it's right there. And like, who knows what happens in round three? Like I assume Colorado's getting through, but if you look at it, Edmonton might've played the avalanche, as well or better than any team in hockey this year. And so while the Avalanche will probably be, assuming they get through, they'd probably be the favorite team against either Alberta outfit that gets to the other side. Like, I don't know that they're going to be viewed as unbeatable in that series. Like they're, they're not, they're not going to be the, the heavy, as heavy of a favorite as you're seeing they are right now in the St. Louis series. And so, man, this is, this is a dare to dream spring in both Edmonton and Calgary. Now that you've got to this point, and so I think they both have a huge amount to lose and no guarantee that they'll be back here again next year. And so it's hard for me to say one over the other. If you force me to pick one, I'd say Calgary is more to lose just because their guys aren't signed and who knows how that'll play out. Edmonton still does have Dreisaitl and McDavid and Nurse and all these guys. They'll still be on the team next year. So it's probably more to lose in Calgary, but, you know, it's whoever loses this series is going to, this is like a, this. This could be like twenty years when you're on your porch, thinking back in your career, going like, "Man, I wish that had played out differently." Yeah, and I, 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 I gotta say, I'm thinking of my uh, my good buddy Solomon Valji covering the Calgary Flames for TSN. That is the series to cover uh, for the second round of playoffs. And by that effect, I'll think of Haley Salvin as well, covering the series for the. Pierre LeBron's heading out there too. Well, of course, Pierre LeBron has to be there. Could you? That that's the series I would love to cover. Just. Just fly out and pick any series. I mean, Battle of Florida, that would be like a very close second. But Battle of Alberta, like we could see, we could see fireworks in that series. That's a great on ice and off ice series. Like that, they'll be having lots of fun on the off nights. I guarantee you. I've been there before. It's pretty easy travel. You can drive between the cities if you want. Even if you want to fly, it's an hour flight. I mean, that's 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 easy sledding, and it's going to be like lots of atmosphere in both places probably some animosity, tons of eyeballs on it. Like that's, that's as good of a series as you get in your career, pretty much. Unless we ever get two Canadian teams in the Stanley Cup final from a Canadian hockey writer's perspective, like that's about as good as it gets. And they're going to eat lots of steak and drink lots of nice wine and, and have lots of fun. Yeah. And uh, those games in the battle of Alberta, those are not games you want to be doing any flora and fauna in the stands for. <laughs> uh, I had to take that shot. Anyway, um, mention the Battle of Florida. Uh, I I would love if we got like anything that was like last year's series on top of like any other extra surprises, maybe a Kodak Black sighting or two uh, in that series as well. But Battle of Florida, don't sleep on that, obviously. These two teams don't like each other. And there's a good chance whoever wins that series could go to the Stanley Cup final and represent the Eastern Conference. Kodak Black was at a game in the first round. In yes, Florida. he was. Yes, he was. One of my uh, good friends, uh, Marc-André Perrault uh, from TVA Sport. Yeah, he showed they, me the uh, photo too. Yeah, got that little selfie with him. Um, yeah, so I don't know if it can live up to last year. I don't know what the Lightning have left. 
I also have some concerns about the Panthers. I mean, we, we talk about our CJ show bet, but they didn't play to their best, in my opinion, in round one. You know, they got behind in a few of those games. I know that was a hallmark of theirs coming back from the multi-goal deficits, but I'm not sure that's a winning strategy over time against the kind of teams they're going to be playing here to try to win a cup. So it there's a lot of unknowns in this series, and I think with Braden Point, situation being unclear, you know, I, I can't imagine he's going to play. Like, no one's telling me what his injury report is, but I was in the building. You see his right leg just crumple in a very unnatural way under him. Tries, comes back, plays a 25-second shift to try to play at the start of the second. Stays on the bench. Like, the Lightning, it's hard not to admire that team, like how tight they are, the way they do that. Like, I know it's – it might sound a little over the top, but, like, he wants to be in it with his guys. He's on there on the iPad right after a power play. I assume he's probably, like, trying to look for some things to suggest to them. You know, Steven Stamkos, remember the game he came and played in the Stanley Cup final against Dallas? He scored. He came back on the bench, too, and he watched the rest of that game, even though he couldn't play. Like, those guys are in it together, and so I think it sets up as a compelling series. Uh, I have no idea, really, who's going to win it. I know I picked the Panthers, but I you know, I don't, didn't say that with much conviction. It's more just trying to keep our bet in play. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if the Lightning can play into another round, like, these these guys are legends. Honestly, I, I – I, as that series was going along against Toronto, I didn't think they had it in them. There was a lot of games. They just didn't have a ton of jump. Vasilevsky wasn't at his best, all that sort of stuff, but they found a way. And so who knows? They could find their way. I mean, winning a three-peat in today's day and era would be – like there's almost no words for that. Uh, they're still a long way from there. Still 12 wins, but, you know, they're playing on. The champs won't go down. That's true. And if Tampa closes this out and wins it, team of the salary cap era – undisputably team of the century to this point as well. Like it's incredible what they've been able to do and what they've, what they've been able to play through. Just, I thought they were dead in the water too in the first round. I thought their tired legs would have just kind of held them up. They've surprised everyone. Think about they it. Have a, yeah. They lost in the cup in 2015. They lost game seven of the Easter conference final 2016 game seven of the Easter conference final 2018, win the cup 2020, 2021. And as you're saying, if they win in 2022, like, there's no, no one can put their resume against that. Nobody. I think they've played, I think this is their 22nd playoff series under John Cooper in 10 years. Holy crap. So like, go look at guys like Pallad and Kaloran, like guys that have been there and look at how many career playoff games they've had. Like they're up, they're getting up there on like the, the biggest list among active players. Um, and then, you know, Stamkos, he's missed games in the playoffs during that run with some injuries and stuff. But like, anyway, these guys are more than a hundred playoff games in and still just being badasses. Like it's, it's pretty impressive to watch. Before we, I mentioned uh, Rangers and Canes, we should shout out Sidney Crosby who found a way to play in game seven. There seemed to have been some conflicting reports about whether or not he was diagnosed with a concussion ahead of that game seven between the Penguins and the Rangers, but he turned back the clock and had a performance for the ages throughout that series. And I have to admit, it's a bit of a shame that we're not going to see him in the second round. And I know the hit he got from Jacob Truba occurred last week, and we didn't really touch off on the hit itself and everything that kind of came out after that. So do you have any quick thoughts on that? Yeah, awesome season for Crosby, awesome series for Crosby. One less chance for him to win the Cup. You know, he's he's won three, but... You know, the, the great thing about great athletes is they stay greedy. They stay hungry. He'd like more. Um, yeah, I don't know what's going to go on in Pittsburgh. A big offseason with, with Evgeny Malkin and Chris Letang, both having their contracts expire. You know, new ownership group in place. You know, by no means am I suggesting City Crosby's going anywhere, but, like, what, what it looks like around him could be quite different. 
And maybe that was his last best shot. I hope that's not the case just because I think it's, it's cool for the sport, but, but the salary cap is ruthless strips, strips talents from teams over time and makes it more difficult to keep being competitive. But, you know, it, it won't be because of his effort that the, the Penguins fell a little bit short in that series. And, and, you know, I didn't like the hit from Truba, honestly, like there's no point in relitigating a thing that wasn't suspended a week ago, but, you know, Crosby beats him and he's reacting because he's been beaten and in, in, in that play. And so, you know, I, I wouldn't have minded seeing that penalized by player safety. I know they didn't view it that way. That's fine. Um, but yeah, Sid's a, Sid's a legend. Ovi's a legend. They, and, but their time is getting a little dimmer. Right. And, and who knows what, you know, we won't have time to get dig up deep, deep on the capitals, but they had their end of season availability. It's like, everybody's injured there too, right? Nicholas Backstrom has a hip issue. They have to address Tom Wilson's, you know, likely headed for knee surgery. Like there's, it's just, it's so hard to stay competitive as everyone gets older and and we might be turning to, we might be seeing the, the book turned here, the, the, the chapter turned on, on those guys in terms of being in the cup finals and being on the top teams and, and, you know, ultimately being the most impactful players in the league because there's a, a big group beneath them that have, have pushed through. That is true. But if we get teams like New York and Carolina establishing themselves as the premier teams, just seeing the changing of the guard, I'm a, I'm not mad at that. And look, Ovi and, and Crosby, the battles between those two, outstanding to see. You can say the figureheads have been replaced with McDavid and Matthews, even if they are in different conferences. The game is still, at least from an on-ice perspective, in terms of faces, even if you can make your qualms about marketing or whatever, still at least in good hands. It's a circle of life in sport, man. It's that's uh, this is what happens. This is what's supposed to happen. It's good for the league when new teams break through and you get excited fan bases there. And you know, like this is this is how it's supposed to play out, especially with the way the caps design. You're not we're not meant to have a team like the Canadians in the '70s or whatever. Like that's the, those days are gone. Although the, although Tampa is trying to challenge that notion, but realistically, those days are gone. I know we've run pretty long. Uh, are you still up for a, a quick ask, CJ? Really quick. Yes. Uh, I'm running out of coffee. Yeah, yeah, me too. This is my my one. I'll show the the mug that I have, the Jesse Blake no mug. Uh, yeah, it's uh, I'm running low on coffee too. Let's take this one from Insider J Money, a.k.a. the Chris Johnston unofficial fan club Twitter. <laughs> Shout out to you, my man. Should the NHL adopt a conference final MVP award, much like the Major League Baseball League has, or the NBA has recently adopted. Should there be more awards in the playoffs? No. Okay. All right. I mean, I don't have strong thoughts. I just, I think awards, I don't know. I'm not feeling awards in general. Like I, I think the consummate trophy means something and it's hard to develop those new awards to really mean something. I mean, I, I guess there's no harm in it. I'm just, I'm just being cranky to say no, like one more thing, how, who's going to vote on it? How's it going to work? Um, but I, I don't think they need one. I, I'm not sure it's necessary, but if we're giving out a first round award, we're probably giving it to Jake Ottinger and, or, or McDavid. It's funny, but we might be giving it to a guy who lost. That's how good Ottinger's performance was. Probably goes to McDavid if there's a first round award, but I, I don't think we need one. Uh, if they had one though, I wouldn't be too grumpy about it. Yeah, uh, for, for what it's worth, like, I, I don't have a problem with a conference final award. Like, I'm, I'm more curious about what they named. Like, in the NBA, they named the conference finals awards after Magic Johnson and Larry Bird. That makes sense. They were dueling against each other as often as they did. In the NHL, what do you do? Like, who, who who's worthy enough of being named? 
having an award named after them for a conference. Like that is where you'd get into some really interesting debates, but we could treat that for, we could, we could talk about that for another episode. Um, we don't have a Wayne Gretzky award in hockey. Like you have to think we don't. it'll happen at some point. I mean, that's an obvious one. Even Lemieux, um, you know, Lemieux played in the East most of his career. Gretzky played in the West most of his year. I mean, maybe even though Lemieux and Gretzky didn't go head to head in playoff series, maybe it's, so it's not quite the same as Magic and Bird. Maybe that would make sense if you were going to do that. So the thing is with the Gretzky Lemieux award is that I think it's kind of universal that a lot of people consider Gretzky to be better, even if there are people who would argue Lemieux to, to if he were healthy throughout his career could surpass Gretzky. So I think people would see there's some kind of added value to Gretzky versus Lemieux if they, those two were named. Bird and Magic, they're very much on par with each other. They've been compared to each other all of their careers that it, they're equal enough. Like you'd have to get two players who I think are either have been compared with each Funny enough, you could probably, if they played in different conferences, you could get away with a Sid and an OV conference MVP award or depending on how it goes, Matthews and McDavid. All right. I don't know if I'll be around covering a league if we're by the time we're naming awards after those guys. That is true. Uh, this one from Big AM thirty four PP. Which Canadian treat could you not live without? The Nanaimo bar, all dressed chips, coffee crisp, or something else? All dressed chips, hands down. Yes. I'm not a big chip guy, but but when I'm a chip guy, all dressed every day, all day. Take it to the bank. Um, ruffles, preferably, but. Yeah, all dress chips. Uh, from Ryan Hindman, thoughts on the beauty that is Brady Kachuk being the best brother ever. It's a reference to Brady Kachuk throwing out T-shirts uh, in support of his brother uh, ahead of the Calgary Flames Game 7 uh, against the Dallas Stars, also being in the crowd, uh, watching his brother Matthew win uh, Game 7 as well. He was very supportive. I love it. There's, there's nothing not to love about that, and it's the fact he's embracing it is a fun thing. I mean, Brady Kachuk seems like just such a happy guy, you know, and, and but supporting his brother, it's something other players have done. I remember a few years ago that the, the um, Blackhawks, when they won their last cup in 2015, uh, James Van Riemsdyk was like quietly on the ice there to support his brother, Trevor, when, when the families came out, you know, for winning that cup. And at the time James played for the Maple Leafs, but, you know, was still an active player in the league. I mean, this is something that does happen. I know the Shens have followed each other around when, when Braden won his cup with St. Louis and Luke uh, won the two uh, with Tampa and, and, you know, there's undoubtedly many other examples. So I I think it's, I think it's great. Um, You know, the families understand what the sacrifice is for two family members to get there and good for Brady for even wearing flames t-shirts and the whole bit to supporting Matthew. Last one from Riley Swinehart. My university's president who is a big runner hosts regular morning running meetups with students or alumni throughout the year. Any thoughts from CJ? on a run with Chris meetup, either in Toronto or on the road sometime. I'd love it. As long as, uh, I, as long as it's not too fast a crew. Cause I, I'm not, uh, I'm not running for speed as I am just for the, the daily habit and the exercise, but you know, I'd totally be in for that. I, I like, I don't do a lot of group runs or even runs with one other person. And most of my runs are solo. Uh, but I, I do find there's value to being with other people. It, it can be a nice distraction sometimes actually I find the pace goes up and it's not even just a competitive thing. I just think there's something about being with other people. Uh, but as I mentioned, as long as you guys aren't looking to, to try to train to, to be faster on your next marathon, I I'd do a group run anywhere, frankly, it'd be, be fun. Big money, CJ, that's going to do it for the Monday edition of the CJ show. You have earned yourself 
a nap. <laughs> it's gonna be a lazy Monday. I'm not gonna lie. That's Call okay. me Tuesday. Yeah. I'll, oh, we will be calling you Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and every other possible day after that. Uh, Siege, we'll be back on Thursday with stick taps. Also, uh, you know, added reaction to whatever nonsense goes down on the SDP or from Leafs clock or clean out day or anything else that happens in between now and Jersey, of course, and subscribe to all the other podcasts on the SDPN. That includes the SDP. That includes Agent Provocateur. You can go back to the episodes of Noxine Gax and check out the Jesse Blake Sports Report. For CJ, I'm Julian Singh. So long and peace. Adam, we're sorry. The, we're not sorry the episode lasted as long as it did. The Chris Johnston Show. Powered by Sports Interaction, Canada's Sportsbook. Inside the game, twice a week. Follow Chris on Twitter at ReporterChris. And follow Julian McKenzie at JK McKenzie. The Chris Johnston Show.